You're listening to the Hardcore Honeys Podcast, starring your hosts, the snarky, the sassy, and the pretty Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson, the all-knowing, the all-wise Shay Vassar, and the man in the middle, Mr. TJ. And here's the show. Have another great episode, breaking down the hottest and hardest NBA news has to offer. Shay, how you holding up? I'm feeling a lot better than I was at the beginning of the week. I think I was too cryptic in some of my social media posts about being sad because I had a lot of people reach out to me. And then I was like, oh, it, you know, OKC just got eliminated. And they were like, I don't get it. I'm like, basketball. And they're like, oh. Like, they thought I was like, I don't know, I guess crying for help with my tweets and stuff. But it was just about basketball. So, yeah, I, I did. Is your group of friends the oh, sports ball kind of thing, or do they know, oh, basketball? I have, like, My a My friends mix. are big sports ball. Yeah, but a lot of them are, like, that, you put the ball in the goal, right? And I'm, like, oh, gosh. Sure. Yeah. Close enough. That yeah. narrows it down. So, but I, I'm holding up. I'm, uh, you know, I think this next season might actually be the time when we rebuild. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be a taste of glory. And oh, now, yeah. now you're on the decline. It's fine. Um, it's fine. I'm still going to be a fan no matter what. So whatever happens, happens. If you need to learn how to be a fan on a horrible team, I got you. I, will, I know I, how to do it. I appreciate that. <laughs> While Jade, on the other hand... Right. You feeling pretty good right now, right? I right. mean, it was so interesting because when you asked Shay and she said better than I was feeling at the beginning of the week, I was like, yeah, that's me too because the beginning of our week was not so great, and we're recording minutes after the Raptors tied up the series with Boston two two. So same, much better than the beginning of the week basketball wise. And just think, you were like, oh yeah, Boston, whatever. While the Raptors were down 0-2 to Boston, I was spending a lot of time going like, oh my gosh, there's people that I'm never going to hear the end of this if we get out like 4-1 to or if we get swept. Like, I'm like, my next year is going to be horrible if the Raptors don't the week. do something here. And that's what's been going through my mind because like, I had I wasn't worried about Boston. I've been saying I wasn't worried about Boston. And then they trounced us in the first game. It was embarrassing. And in the second game, like, and I know that the Raptors were just not playing to their potential. But it's difficult to explain that when they go down 2-0 in a series and they lose the first game that badly to still be like, no, they're still the better team. Because I still believe that. So... I'm so glad they've completely held me down, showed up, and even the series, and now I can relax about my my basketball uh, credibility for a bit here. Because I was going to say, Jade, of ever since we started the podcast, I will admit, you've been pretty good with your predictions, but... This one here, I was just like, it was a little and I cracked my knuckles and be like, <laughs> Ha-ha! Get some bigger <laughs> guns at you. <laughs> Best of three series now. It's anybody's game. Well, I'm glad that you're on an opposite end of the spectrum with it. Shay, now you're joining me with the NBA free agent fan. 
Yeah. Whatever you feel like, every game you can watch it and you can switch between which team you want to win. Exactly. And I don't really have in either conference really one team that I like am especially invested in, um, which is nice because then I can just watch basketball and I can like the players as individuals. I have... I have players that I don't want to do well and players I do want to do well. And same with teams. But, you know, it's 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 whatever. It's just fun now. Sad fun. It's, it's sad fun. It's bittersweet. Yeah. It's a bittersweet symphony. Um, so this week's episode is going to be about the next round of the playoffs. It's not the finals. It's, it's, it's kind of the finals. Semi-final talk about the matchups that are going on with it how the teams are performing with the matchups right now that have been established figuring out so there's some stars right now that are having some issues with what's going on and uh just some coaching questions i got for you guys um and then always we've just got some general nonsense with it all so we'll start off just because the games are fresh in our head and everything we'll start off with the raptors and boston celtics Jade, I'll start off with you. Have you been a little disappointed on the way that the team has been playing? Games one and two, I was definitely disappointed. Game one especially, it felt like a throwback to those years where we were in the playoffs with Kyle and DeMar. And it was like, this is not the team that played in the regular season. Like, who are these guys? You you get to the playoffs, you forgot how, how to play basketball. You forgot how to play your brand of basketball. Like, that's how I felt in game one. And I was like, I didn't, I wasn't expecting to ever have to feel that again, as long as Kyle basically was still on the team. So I was really disappointed the first couple of games. And then this game two, they, they had a lead and ended up losing it. And Kemba Walker has always been a Raptor killer. He always has those cardiac Kemba, those moments against the Raptors and he was probably my biggest concern of Boston because just historically, whatever team he's been on, he has big games and big moments against the Raptors. So, the yeah, I was really disappointed the first couple of games. Was that more on the players or was that Nick Nurse? I think it was a combination. There was definitely less of the Nick Nurse brand of adjustments in the first couple games than I was expecting to see. Not changing up the coverages on Tatum. I was a little scratching my head. And then the players, Pascal especially. And I've been of of two minds with him, with Pascal a little bit. Because on the one hand, he went from bench mob to number one option for a championship team in like three seasons without any major long-term backslides. He had a game here and there where it was like, Pascal, what are you doing? But maybe one or two games and then he'd come back and he'd be back. So this has been kind of the first long stretch where he's lost himself a bit and it's taken more than a couple of games. That's my cat Shoku for everybody who just heard that because I don't think I'm going to be able to edit that out. Um, (laughs) It was so cute, though. (laughs) Her person just laughed, so she's crying. So I've been a bit defensive of him, even within my own fan base, because I'm like, listen, he has spoiled us in that he has become a bench player to a number one with no big hiccups for three seasons now. 
It was bound to happen eventually. It sucks that it's happening right now during playoffs, but he's going to figure it out. But it was still disappointing to see him making decisions that you kind of feel like he should know better than to make by now. A little bit too much ball handling, missing layups, missing open shots. The whole team was missing open shots. But yeah, so it's nice to see him back. It's nice to have defended him and seen him shown up tonight the way that we expected. I was super critical, very vocally critical those first couple of games about things going on. Okay. I'm going to come back to you in a second with the Raptors, but I'm going to swing something over to Shay. So there has been some rumor, Shay, going around that possibly we could see Gordon Hayward if this goes to six or seven games. How important is that for the Boston Celtics? I would say it's at like medium importance just because the Raptors are a team like, yeah, they lost the first game. But isn't that kind of their thing? like to lose a game at the beginning and then come back from it, it like almost motivates them forward. And so I think where we're at right now with the Raptors is they are getting fired up. I think by the end of this game specifically, we really are starting to see that. While I think Gordon Hayward will be able to defend some of that, like Kyle Lowry bulldog to right to the rim, like attitude that we see, you see totally different levels of passion out there and the Raptors always are a very passionate team especially the further you get into this like they aren't the kind of team that you start seeing slack off it it's usually the opposite they'll slack at the beginning and then be like oh it's it's once it's turned on it's turned on which is why even just now at the end of this game I was like Kyle Lowry he has like eight more minutes and he is running around I'm like doing laps basically like, you got to save that energy. You don't know what's going to happen in the next eight minutes. But that's just how he is. Is like It almost stresses me out because of how active he is as a player. So I don't know. I, I don't think that the Celtics want it. So even with Gordon Hayward coming back, I don't think that he's the one guy that's going to bring them together and be like, yes, guys, let's turn this on. Let's beat this team, the the defending champions. I just, I don't see that. I, I don't. That's really interesting what you said, because right after the game, my roommate said something really similar. He said the Raptors are like a freight train. If they're going slow, they're beatable. But if they get going, it's really difficult to stop their momentum. Exactly. So, Jade, I got to ask, say hypothetically, Gordon Hayward does come back. How does Nick Nurse counter that? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not the best with the analytics. I need to watch a lot more about b-ball breakdown and like build my skills that way. What I will say is that the the thing about the Raptors defense is that you don't really have to do one thing. And they were talking about this during the broadcast is that they changed defensive schemes multiple times throughout the game they have hand signals you probably you might have seen Kyle Lowry do the 2L hand that is a defensive scheme that he's setting up for everybody and that's why they do it because when a team is coming down the floor and now they're looking whoever's got the ball is looking it takes a beat if the defensive scheme is different than it was the last trip and different than it was the trip before that and different than it was the trip before that It's hard to get momentum on a team that plays with like 20 different defenses in one game. So I think that's the strategy. And it's the kind of strategy that it doesn't matter who they're playing against. 
They just have to pick the right schemes out of their bag of tricks. Just because I know how efficient Gordon Hayward is, and when he comes back, it's always instant impact. So I was just curious if that's something that the Raptors should be looking looking and I mean, for. And that's assuming he even plays this series because no, yeah, like official I said, words, this is all hypothetical. I just want yeah. you know, I'm curious with that. I just like I said, hypothetical with it. Like my uh, best case scenario means- is that. When they say he's not playing anytime soon, it's after we eliminate Boston. <laughs> like, my best case scenario is that Hayward doesn't play, and that becomes a non-issue. Okay, okay. Well, so, I think we touched on that Raptor thing, or at least more than... We don't have enough time for Jade to go continue on. <laughs> she can have... She's got her side podcast that she you guys can listen to her with that. She's got that we side We have hustle. to talk about the game winner in Game 3, though. What was that? What? The, the game winner for game three. No, no yes, you need to I was about to. I, okay, was, I actually have a segment called OG Time. Jade, break that down for us. Really. Oh, my gosh. So as much as the shot was incredible, and we'll get to that, that inbound pass was it just probably one of the best inbound passes I've ever seen in basketball. For six foot tall Kyle Lowry to inbound over seven six Taco Fall. Seven, six, seven, seven, something like that, yeah. Right? Yeah. Cross something like court, that. Literally right into OG's waiting hands. He didn't need to step one way or the other, catch and shoot. Without that pass, the shot doesn't even matter. And Kyle said that the pass was nothing, the shot was everything when he was interviewed after the game. But that pass had to happen exactly as it happened for OG to even have a shot with 0.5 to play in the game. Was it bad defense or was it that much of a better play? Because he was, no one was by It's a combination. OG should not be left open. And people are getting to know that about him. He's going to be another one of those Raptors players that people are going to have to adjust for. Pascal was like that. Freddie was like that. They were guys that people were under the radar. Other teams, they flew under the radar until all of a sudden they didn't. And OG's just the latest in that list of Raptors players who the Raptors picked up when there were other supposedly better options in the draft. He was injured, so they took a big risk on him and ended up being better than people expected. You're going to have to watch him. He has been my secret sauce. I've said he's the secret sauce for the Raptors to be successful in the playoffs. His defense and his offense, if he can get those both, his defense is always solid. But it was definitely a mistake to leave him open. And it's not a mistake Boston's likely to make again or anybody else who's paying attention. Speaking on that pass, actually, I'm going to have to send you a link. Jason Kidd almost has an exact same pass like that, except instead of a three-point shot, it's an alley-oop to Tyson Chandler. He had to throw it over Yao Ming. like He did even oh, like a man. little hop to it, and there was .2 seconds left on the clock, too, so almost the exact... Yeah, so I'll have to show you that one. It's almost the exact same play. When I saw that, instantly I just thought, Jason Kidd, because that's exactly what it turned out to be with that play. I thought for sure, once Tice got the dunk, I was like, Boston's going up 3 I thought, I thought so, too. Like, I, I never My dad saw the game. play, and he went, oh, poor Jay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He felt for you. He felt for you. 
I was watching it and I never turned off a Raptors game until the final buzzer sounds. That's a policy because stuff happened. But I, I watched that with my roommate too. And we had a moment of silent shock. Very much like that very famous Nick Nurse meme where he's in complete shock. We looked at each other. We looked back at the TV and then we started screaming. We jumped up. We high-fived. We were like, oh my gosh, like... I couldn't believe it happened. And every time I watch the replay, I've watched it like 50 times. I'm like, holy crap. I let it insane. Absolutely crazy. Watching that moment, I was just like, man, it's not too often you see a game winner like that. No. And considering what's going on and everything, that was an extra little flavor to it all. Hey, it was a lot better than the inbound pass that we got for the OKC game seven, you know? So. Oof. Yeah. Anyway, was, just ugh. saying. Just saying. <laughs> Count your blessings, Jade. Count your blessings. Oh, I am. I do. <laughs> okay. So, are, are we good, Jade, with the Raptors right now? I'm you good. said your piece. Okay. Well, next one I want to talk about because I'm really disappointed with this team right now. Or the matchup. Know where we got this is Bucks going. Shay, gotta ask: Are the Heat playing that well, or the Bucks playing that bad? I want to say it's the Bucks playing that bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I already had the Heat, like, winning this. I just feel like they're a better, scrappier team. I like that. But how do you have Giannis, who just got the, like, defensive player of the year. He's the reigning MVP. And he looks like crap out there. Like, he does not look good at all. The team doesn't look good. I just, like, Miami should not be beating them quite the way they are. Like, despite me thinking Miami was going to win this this series, this round two, they should not be doing it this bad. Like, this is like a round one type play. And that's where it's so confusing because it's like the Bucks were, well, one, they're, aren't they number one in the East? So, like, come on. Yeah. how That's not playing like a number one team. I do not understand. I think we're going to see a lot of changes going on after this because... Uh, yeah, no, that team's not going to stay together like that. So, Jade, I'm going to ask that same question. Heat playing that well or the Bucks just bombing that bad? I, I think it's more that the Bucks are showing that they've been overrated a little bit. I think as a team uh, to NBA fandom at large, they're a bit overrated. To more to people who are more into basketball and basketball is more central to their life and their work. I don't think this is as big of a surprise. Um, and I think it's a combination. The minute I heard in the offseason that Butler was going to the Heat, I was like, crap, this is a problem. I'm worried about playing them in the next round. Like, as far as I'm concerned, if we can get through Boston and Miami, the Raptors are repeat. I don't care who comes out of the West. If we can get through those two two rounds against these teams, we're we're going to wipe the floor. I don't care if it's the Lakers. I don't care if it's the Clippers. The way that those teams have been playing after having these two rounds, if we get through that, I'm not worried about the finals. The finals are going to be decided. But you know playoff Kawhi. I know, but I've seen playoff Kawhi so far, and he's not living up to expectation. And... He doesn't have as good a supporting cast. And I kind of love that this is happening because that whole narrative of, oh, the Raptors never would have run without Kawhi. True. 
But a lot of people are giving too much credit to Kawhi and not enough to the way the rest of the team was built. And now you're seeing the other side of that with him in L.A. The supporting team is not as cohesive. They're not as intelligently put together. They're not as defensively intelligent. They don't have as high a basketball IQ collectively as the Raptors did last year. So it makes me pretty happy that it's like, yep, you went to LA and I hope it was worth getting to play at home because there's there will be no more rings. Okay. Just the heat for me, like, I don't like the heat. I don't like Jimmy Butler. But the way they're playing together and everything, it's like I can't help but tip my hat to them. And that's the most I'm going to give it to them. I do love Eric Spolstra, though. I don't get it. Like, I can't stand that franchise. But Eric Spolstra, A-plus in my book. A-plus in my book. See, you're like one of those basketball fans that blames the current team for everything. Or like Lakers fans who, when the Lakers are bad, they're like, oh, 16 championships. Or Boston fans. Like, all the histrionics. To me, it doesn't matter. I like a squad as the squad is built and when I stop liking them I'll move on but if they change and I like them again I'll come back and like them and it just feels like like for you the history is is more important than the current squad because I know how much you love basketball and the way that team plays is a team you should be so excited about but because it's Jimmy Butler and you don't like the history of the team you can't get there no yeah no you're 100% correct with it But it's just because when I started watching basketball, I started with, like, I got NBA Street Volume 2. And that game was, like, the first video, basketball video game that introduced retro players. And it was Mm -hmm. roughly around the same time I got NBA TV, where that was when they were just showing all the hardwood classics. Mm -hmm. So I actually was more current with old school games than I was with keeping up with current games. So that's why I have that, like past connection to it be like no i don't what you guys were it's it's a terrible thing it's not fair like what you were it's like when you're like saying to a person like oh you were such an awful person 20 years ago yeah people change i don't care i don't like that's that's (laughs) essentially me i try to think like i don't like the houston rockets but when they had tracy mcgrady so basically when it comes to basketball you're an old man i am (laughs) i am (laughs) <laughs> Even though I prefer the playing style of today. I really? prefer that. I do. Interesting. I prefer the style of, if, okay, I prefer the playing style, I should say, of the late 2000s. Okay, yeah. Early 2010s, because that's when you were getting three-point specialists a little bit more, but it still wasn't, like, drenched with three-point shooting. So, like, offensively, the Phoenix Suns of Steve Nash, that is one of my favorite offenses. But anywho, yeah. we're going to get back to Steve Nash actually in a little bit with that. So Lakers and Rockets. Rockets won this first matchup. Uh, Shay, are the Lakers going to come back big this next game? You know, as much as I dislike the Rockets, I don't dislike the Rockets. I dislike Harden. And maybe P.J. Tucker gets on my nerves, but the rest of them, like, I can decently handle and especially Russ like I like Russ I made this comment last night during the game and then my boyfriend was like so you like the lineup right now and it was because Harden was out and I was like yeah if they played this lineup all the time I would totally support the Rockets my thing with the Lakers is that because it's not just because it's LeBron and AD 
but because they're the Lakers and because they have that mentality of like, we're the LA Lakers, we're the best in the world. This is where you go. This is where, you know, the ultimate dream. They have such an ego and I just dislike that. And because their ego as a team is bigger than all of James Harden ego as an individual, I want the Rockets to just beat the Lakers and get them out. But this is my thing. And I know we have taught conspiracies before. They are still not showing Rockets games in China. So the NBA would not want the Rockets to go further. So I have a feeling the Lakers will make it. That's that. There's your, see, we got a whole conspiracy theory right there. You know what? I got to keep on marking stuff down because we're going to have to have conspiracy theory part two. I know. Jay, I need you to be a part of that one. Please. We need you for that. We might have to go. We have to gloss back over again. Sorry, Jade. Um, <laughs> you're gonna have to deal with that episode. Again. That's okay. I always look um, the least crazy but, on those episodes. So, <laughs> um, so Jade, is the small ball lineup for the Rockets gonna be that effective, or is this big ball Lakers that they have is that just too much of a fluke? So it's interesting you asked me that question, and I didn't know you were gonna ask it because. I have the beginnings of an article bouncing around in my head about the Rockets. And basically the premise is going to be that the Rockets are the gimmick team of the NBA. They are just other enough. They're just different enough that they are going to beat the majority of teams in the NBA. But it's a gimmick. So they're not going to beat the elite teams of the NBA. And I don't know if I think the Lakers are an elite team. because. I don't think elite teams get thrown together in one season. I don't think elite teams happen because you traded for a superstar to add to your other superstar. I think if the Lakers do well next season, if if they get to the finals this season and do well next season, I would be willing to give them that elite title. So it puts me in an, in an interesting situation because I don't think the Rockets are as good as their record. I think they have a gimmick that works. Just like a TV show that's not super well written, but it has that thing that people like. Big so, Bang Theory. Exactly. That's, that's exactly the show I was thinking. Because that's one of those ones, like, I really enjoy smart comedy. Like, How I Met Your Mother, Friends, The Office. Those are my comedies. And I know a lot of people that like all those shows that also like The Big Bang Theory. And I could never get into The Big Bang Theory. I just didn't get And I'm a total nerd, too. Like, so... I just never got it. So I think of the Rockets like that. They're they're just different enough that they are gonna do well a high percentage of the time, but they're not gonna they're not going all the way. On the other hand, you have the Lakers, who I think elite teams are always gonna beat the Lakers, but do I think the Lakers are elite yet? No, I don't. And they haven't shown themselves to be dominant, a dominant playoff team so far this season. So I'm really up in the air about which way this one's going to go, whether it's going to be the gimmick that wins out or the Lakers are going to wake up and play the kind of basketball that a lot of people expected that I just don't think happens in a first season together. I mean, my LeBron's Miami team, that was a better team. Yes. And they lost that first year to a Mavs team, which will forever go down as one of the greatest underdog finals team ever. Yep. Shay. Who was more of a bigger disappointment in that first game, LeBron or AD? Because AD did not do well against P.J. Tucker, and LeBron scored zero points in the fourth quarter. 
I was going to say LeBron just because it seems like he gave up sooner, which to me, I'm I, like the fact that they were both like, don't get me wrong. I know whatever their basketball players, their bodies, their knees, their rest is all part of their investment. But at the same time, name another top 10 player that is losing by 13-ish points that gets pulled out in the last quarter. Unless it's like two minutes to go. Like, you know what I mean? They were down 13 points. There was something like seven, eight minutes left and they got pulled out. That's ridiculous. And it just like... That, to me, is laziness, and I put that on LeBron more than I put that on AD. I put it on LeBron. I was thinking, as you were saying this, more than the coach, too. Because there's right. no way LeBron sits unless he wants to sit. Exactly. Down the stretch zero in points. the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. No. I I saw that, and I was like, this Rockets team just finished their first round. You guys have been resting for six days, and you need to be pulled out early when you guys are not even down more than, like, Again, it wasn't even a 15 deficit. That's ridiculous. Especially with that amount of time left. Like if you yeah. if you are if you belong in the GOAT conversation over exactly. Michael Jordan, you're in that freaking game. I can't imagine MJ getting pulled out and being like, especially with zero points in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry, that's it would ridiculous. Never happen. Never. There's no possibility that happens. No. So yeah, that's how I feel about that. Because <laughs> I was seeing people online talking about how AD was a disappointment for LeBron or whatever. And I was like, okay, AD's the talent for it, but LeBron's the leader. Exactly. This is his team still. So he's got to be the one doing it. Like, AD's the muscle, but you're the brain for this. And he was not impressing me the other night. I got really disappointed with him. But I have such who- low expectations of LeBron, I don't get disappointed because I'm just that indifferent. To LeBron James. I kind of am too. Like, I'll admit, there's times where I'm like, this guy's amazing. And then there's other times where I'm like, you're obviously on coast mode right now. Like, you don't care. So I don't care watching you right now. What's the point? So, but like I said, switching to the other LA series. um, Is this even, for me at least, Jade, I don't care about this series. Do you care about it too much? (laughs) So I was thinking about this as we were talking about the Lakers Rockets too, because I also don't care. Like I don't care about the Western Conference at all right now, because I never really it was interested in Denver, although I did expect them to get through that series with the Jazz, but they only got through by the skin of their teeth. The Clippers haven't been the Clippers aren't fun to watch. They don't play entertaining basketball. It's so boring. Even with the wins, like it's yeah. It's not engaging. The group that plays well together, Beverly, Lou Williams, and Harold, the guys that have been playing with each other for years, those right. guys play well together. Because they, they have those moments. Well they have those moments where you know only comes from, I know where he's going to be, or I right. know what he's going to do. And so, like, I know I'm supposed to be watching because I have titles that require me to watch a basketball games. I didn't watch the Lakers-Rockets game. I'm not really planning on watching Los Angeles and Denver, which is on in a little bit. Like, I just... Oh, it's on. It's, it, they're down 20 right now. I just checked the score. Clippers are down Ooh, 20. <laughs> yeah, it's 55-35, eight minutes to go in the second. Okay, so let's frame this. 
Oh, God. Who were supposed to be shoe-ins for the conference finals, at least, are down 20 to a team that took seven games to the buzzer to eliminate the Utah Jazz. What's wrong with this picture? We were down 3-1 originally. Right. Like, that shouldn't happen. Like, I don't think the Clippers are that great of a team, but I don't think Denver is better than that. No, which makes which makes it for like, why would I watch this? The Clippers aren't great and Denver's not better. So yeah, I just turned it on. 55 35 <laughs> in the second quarter. You let them drop 55 points with eight minutes to play in the second quarter? Like, come on. That's no, not good eight. basketball. That's not fun basketball to talk about, except to be critical of. Which that's obviously what we're doing right now. <laughs> which at this point is for the Clippers, is it the players, Jade, or is it Doc Rivers not able to get everyone on the same page? Honestly, I think with both the Lakers and the Clippers, I'm not upset about it because of that mindset of these are teams that were just thrown superstars thrown onto teams. I don't expect super entertaining basketball to come out of that. And I think for most people who are feeling it the most, there's all the hype all year long. We've got these two duos. They're both in L.A., the Battle of L.A. They share an arena. This is going to be epic basketball all season long. And it doesn't make sense to expect that in teams where you buy your superstars. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Not the first season. Maybe next season if they all decide to stay together. But, like, both of these teams, the other part of it, too, that makes it feel like a bigger letdown, I think, is that both of these teams' success was a finals appearance or a, a conference final because right. we knew both of them couldn't make the finals. So success for both of these teams had to be conference finals. So you expected two teams to come out and just dominate the playoffs. There was so much hype that all the other playoff teams were slept on in terms of what they might be able to do against them. And the way that they've played, I don't think I care which matchup it was. Nobody was going to be an easy out regardless of who they ended up playing in these first kind of couple rounds. So I'm not let down because this didn't excite me in the first place, but I think I understand why people are let down. And to those people, I say, you need to get your basketball knowledge from independent media and not national media, because then you'll have a better idea of, of what's real and not what people are saying because the ratings say that's what they should say. Right. Or Woj. Or Woj. Woj. But Woj or Woj. entertainment, though. Woj is, is, is information. So I'm right. talking about people sure. whose job sure, is sure, to sure. turn information into entertainment. That makes sense. That, you're right there. I will give that. But So I'm going to ask that same question then for you, Shay. Is it the like the players, or is this Doc Rivers not able to get the team to unite? Um, I want to say it's a mix. I think... The weird thing, like, don't get me wrong, I think Kawhi's good as a player, but I think what they're really lacking is, again, that, that like, energy, which despite having it and people like Pat Bev or anything like that, they don't, in the way that, for example, when he was with the Raptors, right, he was able to bring a certain amount of talent and and leadership while also having the energy of Kyle Lowry. And that's something we're missing with the Clippers is his second man is supposed to be Paul George, right? Who is inconsistent. He's emotional, but in all the wrong ways. Like he does not know how to make that emotion go towards the basketball game. And don't get me wrong. Like I like 
listen, I follow his girlfriend on Instagram. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty decent, like PG apologist. I will put that out there. But this season for him, oh my God, it is a sorry excuse for basketball playing. It really is. It looks, he looks horrible. The Clippers should not be where they are with that being your, your second in, in command kind of guy. So I think this was a really ill thought out plan from the beginning, which is going to go back to your, you know, your front office. It's going to go back to your coach. It's going to go back to all of that. And I also just don't know if Doc Rivers knows what he's quite doing again, because it's like, do these players like even on paper play well together? Why did we think this was a decent idea? Yeah. I, this team is kind of mishmashed together. Um, but Shay, do we see Doc next year then if they don't get to the at least the Western Conference Finals? I think we do. do I still see Doc next year. He's he's a big name with all the other coaches out there right now. He's probably what's bringing a certain amount of attention to the Clippers other than Kawhi. Because again, Paul George is tarnishing the Clippers name, which has already been pretty tarnished. They are LA's stepchild. So Doc Rivers kind of helps that. So why get rid of him right now? I don't think and, that that'll do that. And I don't think it's get fair to get rid of him. Not that, that coaches are always fired in fair circumstances. We talked about this a little bit last week, but on the back of Paul George's performance in the playoffs to fire the coach when your second superstar barely showed up. Right. Like that just doesn't, it, it's that's not a smart move. But think about how long Doc's been with the squad mm-hmm. and how far they've made it in the playoffs. But then they should have got rid of him before. They should have got rid of him before they brought on Kawhi and PG. Then if it was that bad. Because that's just what I'm. I was just thinking like, okay, you have a whole new set of great players on your team, and you're still not able to get out of that second round. Right. Like. Honestly, I thought his best coaching of his career wasn't the Celtics when they won the title. It was last year's Clippers squad that had no no way to be in the playoffs, and they still worked their way to it. This is an interesting conversation for me because this goes back to how LeBron James ruined the NBA when he made the super team in Miami. Because now there's this expectation that because it worked with LeBron in Miami with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade— it's always going to work. And clearly it's not. Clearly that's not how it works. When you think about other teams that you might be able to compare, if you think about Katie joining the Warriors, the Warriors were already an excellent team who had already won a champion together right. with that, their core group. If you think of Kawhi joining the Raptors, we hadn't won anything yet at that level, but we had been together as a core group for a number of seasons. It's and the one each, season, each season was more successful than the last. And then it was Kawhi that put us over the edge. But we had been on the upswing for like six years before Kawhi got there. But you're taking teams that were garbage the season before, throwing in a couple superstars, mixing it up, and hopes in hopes that it turns out to be delicious. Well, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen because you don't know how those flavors work together until they've played together for a whole season at least. I think the difference even with KD is like, for example, they had a very successful team. So in some ways, bringing him on was like to have backup. And so no one else had him, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because yeah. if other people have him, then it equals out the competition too much. 
And so I think we're seeing right now where, like, there's a certain amount of fall apart within these super teams. And so right now I'm taking little, checking out little clips of the game right now. As we're talking mad smack on Paul George, he's actually going off right now. And the clips are only down nine. Well, it's about time he showed up then. I know. Last question I got for you guys today. So, yes, there's a lot of great players going on uh, playing, right? LeBron, Giannis, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi. But also, there's a lot of great coaches right now coaching. Is this actually now more of a battle of the coaches, Shay? Or is this a battle of the team? Like, I'm thinking, like, Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens. They're playing chess. Like, yes, the players are doing a lot, but I think this is... Is this coming down to more of a game plan situation? I could definitely see that because you do have two great coaches. But where I see this possibly falling apart is with the Bucks Because Boonholzer... I was thinking an Eric Spolstra, (laughs) Boonholzer. I'm going to give it to Spolstra when it comes to that. Right. It's not close. It's not. And... But definitely for the Raptors versus Celtics, definitely like a chess match type thing because the good thing with the coaches and honestly with the with the players that are there, these coaches know these players. These are not necessarily n- newly come together teams. Like I mean, even the Raptors, yeah, Kawhi left, but you have players that have been with the Raptors for seasons. And Nick Nurse knows these players and knows what's best for them in certain times. And I think we're that's the reason why he proved that him as a coach and that presence of his coaching is what makes this team really great. I mean, the fact that they're in the finals for the second year already is a huge deal, a huge deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if they go further again because of what I talked about earlier with their passion. Once that gets ignited, I feel like it's just... You can't discount them. But yeah, I think it falls apart sometimes. Um, I'm I'm curious too, because, you know, what's his face? I, see, I literally can see his face. Oh my God, the Rockets coach. Dan Tony. Dan Tony, is his small ball working? Did it actually work against OKC? Is it going to work against LA? And then LA is a whole nother one. You have someone who... This is his first season coaching this team. This team was just thrown together. So I think right now we're, it's still a team. It's definitely a team sport. I think that some of the teams have the advantage of having really good coaches. But for the most part, we're seeing some also really weird coaching out there. Jay, what do you have to th- say about, is it the battle of players or is it right now the more the battle of coaches? Yeah, I'm with Jay. I think it depends on which matchup we're talking about. When it comes to the Raptors and the the Celtics right now, it's kind of reinforcing what I said last season about why we did beat the Bucks, And it was coaching. It was that move to make Kawhi the primary defender on Giannis. That changed everything. And you saw it was a drastic change. And it was a no looking back change. We dropped the first two and won the next four. That's because Nick Nurse made an adjustment and Budenholzer said, nope, we're ride or die with what we do. That's all we're going to do. We're seeing it again this season. There's no reason the Bucks should have dropped any games against Orlando. Yeah. I, I, there was no reason the Raptors should have last year either, except for it's a Rap Fairies Raptors thing to do. But also Orlando was a seven seed last year. They're an eight seed this year. They are a worse team by the numbers than they 
they were last season when the Raptors lost. And the Bucks were by far the first. Like, they won more games than anybody even could have caught up with almost even before we stopped in March. So they should have been able to put how are like how is the Bucks the number one seed the only non sweep in the first round of the Eastern Conference? Right. How that shouldn't happen. And I think it always is gonna come down to Budenholzer. I don't think the Bucks are as well put together as people think, but you put Nick Nurse or Brad Stevens as as the guy in charge in either of those teams, and I think they're automatically a better team as they're currently made up than what they're showing right now. For the other teams, it's hard for me when we talk about these teams that don't really make sense together, haven't played together very long in terms of their key pieces. That's hard to coach. Like, you're coaching guys that you only played a regular season with and a shortened regular season at that, Like these coaches like Brad Stevens, like Nick Nurse, who have had their core group and have been with them a long time. Yes, Nick Nurse has only been a head coach one season, but he's been an assistant in Toronto for a while. Right. So he knows the team. Brad Stevens knows his team. And without that, like there are just so many little things that are discounted when you think about these super teams, because all anybody wants to say is Kawhi and PG and LeBron and AD. And that's the whole story. It's not the whole story. There are better teams because they've been teams, because their coaches know them, because they know each other. So for those ones, I think it's a combination of both, that they haven't really had enough time to gel together on that level, and the coaches haven't had enough time to really get to know them. And now the NBA does everything on such a hair trigger that there's probably going to be changes so that they, again, are not going to get that time to get that consistency. But I think moving forward, if these big market teams continue to play the super team game, we're going to see more and more upsets from smaller market teams like the Raptors, like the Thunder, like the Mavericks, like the Jazz, who are growing success instead of trying to buy it. Timberwolves? Sorry. Y'all too, maybe. I promise at some point, like probably next season when they start to play really good, they will automatically get included in those lists. But right now, they're just so far out of my radar. And because they're Western Conference, I never see the Timberwolves play. Oh, <laughs> like, no. I only we had, we had one game on this season on national television, and it got booted. Yeah. I only switched games. I only see the Timberwolves play when they play the Raptors, but I I do think they are also deserve to be in that exact conversation of small market teams that are like, listen, we can't buy a LeBron James and an AD combo. We're gonna have to figure out another way to do this. And right. I yeah. think I'm gonna say four to five seasons from now, somebody's gonna decide that super teams were not the way to go. Because I think that list of teams is going to dominate the league for the next little while. I, I, I hope you're right with that. I don't like the super super team trend. But speaking of coaches real quick, side thing, just came in the news the other day. Steve Nash, coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Shay, good move by the Nets or is this kind of like you're just – Grabbing a basketball, a famous basketball player and putting them at coach. I mean, it feels a little bit like that, especially because, again, you have Katie and Kyrie and it feels like they're trying to build a super team. 
with big names that are gonna, you know, they're in New York. The other New York team sucks and is gonna continue to suck. We have no hope for them. Let's be honest. So they're one. Yeah. I trust me. I've been to MSG and there was like some really hardcore Knicks fans, and I'm really proud of them for sticking through. But this is a time where if I was the Brooklyn Nets, I would be doing probably something similar where it's like, okay, let's let's market this team in a town that is tired of losing all the time, that is tired of having something like this. And I th- I think that that's what they're doing. Do I think it's going to work? It's like a like 70% chance it's not going to. Uh, <laughs> I, I put 30% only because I'm like, Steve Nash is a is a good dude. I just still really don't buy the Katie Kyrie teammate thing. I don't see how the two of them are going to get along. I just don't. So I don't know if Steve Nash can figure that one out. That's, I think, the biggest challenge for any coach that walks in. Oh, that's I like that idea. I like that point. Uh, Jade, what do you think about it? This just the big name signing or is this like, Okay, we put some deep dive look into it. We feel like Nash is the next big coach. Yeah, so I've watched quite a bit of the coverage. Of course, with Steve Nash being Canadian, there's a lot of coverage here. So on the one hand, the the Canadian coverage I saw went a bit into um, Nash has a relationship with KD from being in Golden State. So that's a plus that is like, okay, it's not just a big name. There might be a little bit of logic to this. Steve Nash is also a Hall of Fame point guard, so there is some synergy you you think between him being able to coach someone like a Kyrie Irving as the kind of point guard that Steve Nash was. So I think there are some things, and also Steve Steve Nash is just such a class act. I think he's gonna do a lot to balance out all the crazy that comes with. Katie and Kyrie individually, much less both on the same team. So I think that's going to be important. I actually tweeted out today during the Raptors game that I've been very vocal in saying, like Shay, I don't think the Katie Kyrie combo is going to work. I've said it from the very beginning. If it works now, I am 100% forever going to say it's because of Steve Nash. Now, the other side of that. And I am always loath to agree with Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> but I'm about to do it. Stephen A. Smith had one of his, you know, patented rants, but he kind of said some stuff that made me go, hmm, which is Steve Nash getting this job could be seen. And Stephen A. Smith very much sees it as an example of white privilege because he has no assistant coaching experience. He's never been vocal about wanting to be a coach. He's saying now that he's always had that interest, but has always made a point to keep it on the down low, pretty much. But now he's just being handed this job of coaching what will be considered to be a championship-ready team with KD and Kyrie Irving. So it's like, what black coach, what black person who has... A, a black former NBA player would ever be handed that chance without paying their dues as an assistant coach somewhere for years and years and years, probably even an all-star I, level player. Jason Kidd, when he was signed by the Brooklyn Nets, was that Derek team ready Fisher, for the, when he was, was signed that by the, that was a, considered a super team. 
and they gave J- Derek Fisher the keys to it, but and he got fired halfway through the season. Magic Johnson, when he got hired, these were just names that I saw someone bring up online. I'm glad you brought this up. This is just, this is but for argument's sake. With it. Those were not those were not teams with talent the caliber of Kyrie Irving and the, Kevin Durant. The Brooklyn Nets at that time, you had Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, Kevin Garnett, Brooke Lopez, Paul Pierce, and he was never an assistant five, coach anymore. All, all, all five of those players in the three years that they were together, all five of those players had an all-star appearance. You can't tell me that's not a that's not a that's not a super team. I don't know. You maybe really. I, I I I would say that, but still, those are the exceptions, right? And though he was never an assistant coach anywhere before that, or part of a coaching staff. Kid, no, he got fired from Brooklyn, and then he ended up in Milwaukee, where then he got fired. Both places he got fired. I don't know why you would ever hire Jason Kidd. Like, I look at him and I see dead eyes and I go, no, you can't lead people. Like, there's nothing here. Nothing's there. We'll have to agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> That's fine. It's hard to argue when you're second all-time in assists about leading. I'm talking about coaching. Oh, coaching. coaching oh, okay. is a different thing. I you thought got you were talking twice, I mean. like, as, like, as, like, a basketball player. And no, I'm no, like, not, um, I'm not talking about him as a player at all, no. Okay, okay. That, that was the other argument I was also having with my roomie about Steve Nash is that he still has to prove he can do it. Yeah. Lots of incredible big. basketball players have not been good coaches. And if there was going to be one that I would say in advance will probably be okay, it would be Steve Nash. But he still has to prove it. He still has a lot to prove. And it's going to be a lot of pressure for a first-time head coach. That's a lot of pressure. You think Nick Nurse had a lot of pressure last season? Yeah, but it wasn't his first time as a head coach anywhere. It was his first time as a head coach in the NBA. Just, And I just want to go on record. I don't like this move by the Nets. Well, Sam and Purcell I think Jacques Vaughn, Jacques Vaughn should have had... A chance at they it. They should have kept him full time. He did a great job with what he had to work with. He did an amazing that's true. job. But that's not a big name. Not too, not, not as many people know about Jock Vaughn. Right. But right. before we swing it into the fast break um, today, it is presented by, as always, PropMe. PropMe is a social wagering platform uh, catered to us, the everyday sports fan. It is a peer-to-peer betting marketplace for social wagering. It's an all-sports betting platform that includes eSports Now, a company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe on Google Play Store or Apple App Store today. Sign up and join the movement. Okay, fast break. Question one. Jay, which player is playing with the most heart right now? I got to give it to Jimmy Butler. He's he's bringing it and and he's continuing to reinforce what I I've said a couple times I think on the podcast I, I don't think I think there's a couple guys in the bubble that want it as much as Jimmy but I don't think anybody wants it more than Jimmy and then hearing why he didn't bring his family into the bubble it's a business trip like dang I mean yeah when he put it that way I was just like I get where he's coming from I don't agree but I get where he's coming from. So and I'm not going to argue that point with him because, like, you're, it's a business. It, it, you're, he's right. He's right with it. So, like I said, I wouldn't do that, but I get where he's coming from with it. Um, Shay, who's playing with uh, – which player is playing with the most heart? 
Well, I know you guys said that you haven't, and I get it because the Clippers are kind of boring to watch right now. I really liked that Denver Utah, which is funny because we all agreed that it was like a matchup we didn't really care about. I got really into it, especially for game six and game seven. And I really think Jamal Murray is in incredible attitude out there on the court. So that's who I'm going to give it to. I think, you know, and of course it, they turned it and that soundbite into a promo of like him saying like, Oh, I was going to fold my shirt shirts. And then I told my other teammates, I didn't want to go home yet, but it's like, that is the kind of attitude, you know, you have to be thinking about that. And then the other post game where he talks about the reason why they're there and the reason why they're fighting, it's just like, yeah, no, I think Jamal Murray is definitely showing some heart. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jimmy Butler is too, but, uh, I, I've been I, I was really, really into that series. Uh, I wish they weren't playing the Clippers right now because that's really boring. But eh, it is what it is. What we're seeing from Jimmy is what we expect from Jimmy. Jamal Murray, this is a whole new thing. He's the player that is that, that one random player that's just outshining what yeah. he's ever been before. So he's got a big contract year coming up. Yeah, um, he does. Okay, next question. Shay. Which star player, regardless on how the teams end up by the end of it, which star player won't be with their team next year? Mm. That's, it's going to be honest. He, there's no way he's going to be with the Bucks next year. I mean, I think that there's several star players that are going to make some changes. But I want to say that's the number one. That's the number one. Everyone's talking about it. There's no way he's going to continue with the Bucks. Where's he going? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, it's literally every Twitter account that's dedicated to a fandom has some kind of photoshopped image of him in their jersey. I've seen him in a Heat jersey, OKC jersey. I've seen him in a Lakers jersey. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know where he's going. I don't really know where he would work best at this point, especially not from the big teams. Honestly, he might go to a place that I don't know. I don't know. But he's definitely not going to be in in. uh where he's at now. Jade, which superstar won't be with their team next year? I gotta say it's Giannis too. I've been saying this since last season when the Raptors eliminated them. If they don't get it together next season, he's gone because these are the pri- these are the prime years of his career. And he wants to win. As nice of a guy as he is, he wants to win. Yeah. And the Bucks aren't getting it done. The hard thing is his contract extends until the end of next season. So for him to be gone, they would have to trade him. And I don't think he's the type that would demand a trade. No, he wouldn't. So as much as I would say him, I kind of feel like he's going to be there, which is a bigger reason why I think Budenholzer is done. Because their only chance to hang on to him now is to kill it next season. And I think they have enough evidence that Budenholzer is not going to get them over the hump that he's going to be fired. End of season, Budenholzer fire if they don't make it to the finals? I think he should be fired whether they do or not. You should not go down 3-0 to Miami like this. That shouldn't happen. Even if they come back and win the series and then get to the NBA finals? That's not happening. No team's ever come back from 3-0 down. Like, history is on my side here. That's true. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being devil's advocate for argument's sake. That's what I'm yeah, here for. Yeah, I can't, I think getting down 3-0, in, in the crazy 
alternate reality in the multiverse where Taylor is arguing this from right now, I think even then you have to let go of Bud because Giannis doesn't want to have to make his path to the finals again that way. It needs to be easier. You can't be a team that wins, what do they win, 62 games? Something like that, yeah. And then go down 3-0 in the second round. You can't be that team and expect to hang on to your superstar and not fire your coach. Right. Like, of all the coaching fires that have already happened, Brett Brown and Budenholzer are the only ones that I'm like, yeah, those should have happened. Those are justified. Yep. Or will be, would be, depending on the Budenholzer situation. And to answer your follow-up question, I'm keeping the faith. He's coming to Toronto. (laughs) I was just about to say, (laughs) it's most likely going to have to be a trade situation. So... If I'm not a big fan of it, but this works out salary cap and everything wise. Golden State with the second pick and Andrew Wiggins' massive contract, and then maybe some other side things to just to be a little bit more incentive. Maybe like Eric Pascal. Those two players and the second overall pick for Giannis. It works, but you're the one that always says Giannis does not not going to want to play for a big market team. I mean, he's going to get traded. So that's why yeah. I mentioned it. True. I hope that doesn't happen for Andrew Wiggins because I think he's in the perfect position that he's needed to be in in Golden State to 100%. blossom in his career. So while I think it would it it makes logistical sense, I hope it doesn't so that he gets so that Wiggins gets that chance. Yeah. It's I'm still t- even though he's not for the Timberwolves and I'm glad he doesn't play for us anymore, I'm still team Wiggins. I still want him to do well. He's never done anything horrible, really, for the Timberwolves. Yes, inconsistent play, not playing with a lot of heart, but he's never been a bad guy. Despite all the crap he's gotten from fans, he still was like, yep, this is my team and whatever. Like, yeah, I still hope for the best for him, but not the Wolves. Okay. Last question. Got into a whole bunch of other side fast break questions. Oh, well, we're having fun with it today. Jade, who is the better player, Kyrie or Nash? Oh, crap. Okay. Kyrie's got the um, ring. Nash has got the leadership and the two two MVPs. Right. I have to go with Nash because Kyrie doesn't have that ring without one LeBron James on his team. Yep. So I have to give it to Nash. Nash. Okay. Shay, Kyrie or Stevie? I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I just think, like you said, Nash is a leader. He is like, he stands on his own while Kyrie Irving doesn't. That's just that. Steve and Nash never will. And never will. Not even, yeah. Kyrie's not even putting himself in a position to have that in partnering with Kevin Durant. He's never going to be that guy that got it done. He's right. always going to be an important part of the other guy who got it done. Right. That's that. That's it. That's it. That's it. We got it. Okay. So got the discussion of the semifinals, had our fun with it, talking about playing with heart and how we're bored with the Western Conference and everything. I think we've done a very solid job at touching all of that stuff today. So today I think we bid adieu to all the fans and just remember... Steve Nash is better than Kyrie.